Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line by embracing behavioral economics. And now, here are your hosts, world-renowned thought leader on customer experience, Colin Shaw, and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. So, Ryan, what really bugs me, I was in a client the other day, and I was talking to them about how to understand their customers at a much deeper depth and and you know you talk to many organizations particularly in the b2b space and you talk to them about segmentation and you know this client the other day say yeah we have small customers we have medium customers and we have large customers uh, and they were referring to revenue not their physical size um but um you know it it just surprises me how organizations don't go into detail on segmentation so um, as we agreed prior to this I thought it'd be useful for us to talk a bit about segmentation and how to use what I would call a more of a rifle shot than a scattergun uh, approach so how does this play out in in um, psychology and all that wonderful stuff and how do, how do that your academia segment things uh, so th I agree with you. I think that there are so many firms doing this wrong. Um, every once in a while we'll hit on a topic that's just kind of a hobby horse of mine. And that's when I get obnoxious, um, cause I have very strong opinions. So, uh, let me tell you, it's not the only time you get obnoxious. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Um, uh, <laughs> the, yeah, the, it drives me crazy the way firms segment, um, it, it's one of these things where at some point somebody realized that segmentation was a good idea and that it just became this rote process, this checks, this checkbox that firms felt like they needed to do. And they, many of them have completely lost the vision. They've lost the reason why we segment. Um, so we'll talk about a lot of the specifics about how do you segment and why and, and the advantages. But, but this is the headline for me. The reason you segment is so that you can better anticipate what this particular group of customers is going to do. Like that's it. Yep. That's the reason. So if you've segmented in such a way that your segments don't provide you with insight into how those customers are making decisions, what they want and how you can influence them and reach them. If, if your segmentation doesn't provide you with that, it doesn't do you any good. So if you segment your customers into small, medium and large, do all of your small customers want exactly the same thing? Like, are they making their decisions in the same way? Sure. Probably not. In which case, no. what are you doing? You've wasted your time. Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And 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 you and I obviously did a, a, um, a podcast a few weeks ago uh, on uh, the Facebook scandal. And yeah. And for me, if you if you go to the future uh, of this, then you know, when you start, so we, we all believe that we should be understanding our customers at a much deeper depth. Yeah. Um, because I mean, again, for me, that's what it's all about, understanding your customers. Um, and what has particularly attracted me over the last um, period of time is to start to think about the different types of segmentation. So things like uh, behavioral targeting or behavioral segmentation and um um, psych psychographic targeting and stuff like, like that. Any, any uh, is there any particular form that you would um, suggest is the best form of segmentation? 
Uh, I mean, the, the the more granular you get, the better. So yeah. there, there's this um, tension, I would say, in terms of uh, ways of segmenting. Uh, there's the stuff that's very easy to to identify and measure. So like demographics is usually the kind of the highest level. Yeah. Um, and that's useful often in terms of figuring out your tactics, like like where am I going to run this advertising or, you know, which websites should I go on? You know, to, you, oftentimes you'll need a demographic description to get to there. The problem is that people, firms often start there. Like they'll start with demographics and then kind of figure out. And that should be the last step. You need to start with value. So looking at actual um, behavior, um, looking at psychographics, descriptions, the kind of values and attitudes, those are both much, much better than um, demographics. You know, there's some kind of cutting edge ways of, of segmenting around decision-making styles or kind of system one versus system two, like kind of intuitive decision-makers versus uh, more rational or, or systematic decision-makers. I, I don't have like a, a horse in this race where I say, no, 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 it must be psychographics or nothing else. Sure. I, it doesn't matter to me as long as at the end of the process, you have a segment that you understand, that you, you understand why they are making these decisions and now you know what to do with them. So, so let's um, let's just make sure that we're all on the same page. So when when I'm talking about behavioral segmentation, for me, we're talking about looking at what the customer does. Yeah. Uh, so the actions that they are taking, in other words, looking at their behavior and then segmenting on their behavior. So you could have a 23 year old and a 60 year old in the same segment yep. uh, because that's and you know the fact that they're 60 and 23 is an irrelevance uh it's what are those people doing uh, and for me that's that's a powerful way of doing it the the other uh, and i don't know if there's anything you want to add to 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 that one um before we move on to the um, psychographics and stuff no i mean behavioral segmentation is very very powerful the only kind of caveat i'd put on it is um, it can sometimes be um, misleading unless you have a kind of a more holistic understanding. You know, mentioning the the Facebook um, scandal recently, but part of that was around this kind of micro-targeting. Um, and, and if you've got rich data and data that's related to the actual outcome you want to measure, so, you know, if, you, if you've got behavioral data about the way people purchase um, I don't know, uh, electronics. Yeah. And then you use that behavioral data to predict how they're going to purchase electronics. That's going to be pretty good, right? You're going to get segments there that will really make some sense and will be good predictors. Where some of this worries me is that they'll get these matrices of, of data where it's like, all right, we, we got data on your electronics purchases. We got data on your, um, uh, you know, family size and, and data on your uh, Twitter usage. And from there, we're going to predict, you know, how you're going to vote in an election. And there, we're really taking a leap of faith, right? We're assuming a lot of stuff about a lot of people in order to make those sure. kinds of predictions. Uh, but yes, as a general rule, behavioral segmentation is going to be really good, pretty powerful. Yeah, I mean, for me, going to the end point, I'm, I, I actually don't think it's 
any one of these. I think yeah. it's all of these. Yeah. So, you know, I think best practice is when you are looking at demographics, behavioral, psychographics, and you're putting it all together and going, okay, what does this tell us about this individual, this individual customer? Um, but I mean, if you looked at behavioral stuff, it could be that this person is, and you talk about the technology one, you know, these people are tech savvy and these people are not tech savvy, I guess, or whether they're early adopters or they're not, or whether they, you know, try and, um, they, their behavior is to buy branded goods or not branded goods. So it, it, you know, so it's all of those areas. So that for me is, you know, that behavioral part. Let Beyond Philosophy help you discover what your customers really want, not what they say they want, by uncovering the hidden drivers of value in your customer experience to create real ROI. Contact Beyond Philosophy by going to beyondphilosophy.com slash contact. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash contact. The psychographics one is the interesting is an interesting one, and I don't see many, if any, organizations doing this but um so do you have a, um, do you have a preferred definition for psychographic segmentation for those who are yeah yeah so for it, it for me it's looking at personality traits and personality types it's looking at uh, values attitudes interests lifestyles so it, it it's the classic and we've talked about this many times um, it's the classic, maybe some of the hidden drivers and the hidden mm. motivators um, that 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 goes into it. So, you know, are they a traditionalist? Are they conservative in their views? Um, you know, are they, um, yeah, you know, more socially aware or not socially aware? Yeah, I mean, that would be my my take on it. it it's what the key word for me becomes what truly motivates someone yeah right. not not what they say they're going to do it's what are they actually doing um that and what's not that one then what they're actually doing is i guess more of the behavioral stuff but it's the reason why they're doing the behavioral stuff i guess is is where i would be getting to do you yeah. agree with that yeah i do and and i mean to your point and i think that you and i come out at the same place um at the end of this journey um you know, the behavioral segmentation has this really nice richness to it in that it is actual behavior. You know, oftentimes it's actual purchases that they've made, and that can be really informative. On the other hand, a lot of times it can be kind of impoverished in terms of the theory, in terms of why. Why are people buying this? We don't know. We just know that they bought it. On the other side, we've got the psychographics, which oftentimes uh, is is not necessarily matched well or matched with behavior directly so a lot of times you don't necessarily have that data when you're collecting psychographics um on the other hand it's really rich usually in terms of why what's what's motivating people what's driving them so i think to your point kind of the um the more cross-functional data we can get on people when when creating our segments then the better off we'll be the more accurate we'll be yeah no no absolutely so for me it's again it, it it take it's taking all of these so one area i know that when i was looking at the um the the facebook um scandal and cambridge analytica and what they were doing and blah 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 
uh, you know, one of the things that I think one of the ways that they collected data was by um, uh, by doing, you know, you get these tests, not tests, games on Facebook, you know. Yeah, um, yeah there's some tests too, like personality tests. Type yeah, per, yeah. That, that's what I'm but getting to. Per, the personality yeah. test, you know, do you like your grandmother or, you know, how clever are you at this or whatever else? And effectively, right. as I keep telling all my friends, don't do them because all <laughs> they're doing is collecting information on you, you know. Um, but uh, anyway. Um, that's the paranoid side of me. But if you took, looked at personality traits, then, you know, is there anything that you would advise on? So here are the types of personality traits that you should be looking at or even personality types. And as I started to think about this, you know, I've done 50 million, you know, Myers-Briggs and you know, yeah. all those types of things over the years. But, you know, is there something that, that people should be definitely looking to include if they were starting to look at personality types and way of defining those or attitudes and stuff like that? And I'm trying to understand that more hidden hidden thing of discovering that rather than just asking customers a questionnaire, as it were. Sure. Um, I think that you want it. it, it you want to tie it back to the decision, right? So there are certain, um, you know, emotions. So, I, for example, you give, um, uh, you've done a lot of research around kind of the emotions that drive value, yep. Yep. Um, and emotion, emotional states, and emotions related to decisions would be a part of a psychographic profile, I think. Right. Um, and, you know, from your research, uh, you know that it's not the same emotions that drive value for every type of purchase or for every brand. Um, yeah. it's, it's a different kind of specific set of emotions. And I think that it's going to be same for, the same for a lot of uh, the elements in a psychographic profile. You don't want to get carried away with just what's easy to measure. So there are a lot of psychology scales out there that you can throw into your research um, survey uh, and you can get an idea of, you know, uh, people's risk aversion or their need for closure or their need for uniqueness. And um, there's great research around all of these constructs and they, they do drive decision making, but do they drive decision making for your category, for your customers? I don't know. Um, if they don't, then it's just as bad as demographic information. It's, it's just not related. It doesn't help. Uh, if they do predict decisions in, in your specific domain, then they can be incredibly useful. So knowing that your product sells especially well for people who are risk averse, well, that points you in any number of different directions in terms of where you should advertise and what the message should be and you know, what benefits to the product you should emphasize and how you should manage the experience. Uh, so it needs to be related um, is, is kind of that the headline message. Uh, there's, there's a whole wealth yeah. of opportunities out there for measuring cool, invisible, hidden constructs. Um, but you need to have some reasonable belief or evidence that it matters in this specific instance. Training your frontline team on how to create memories in your customers by evoking their emotions. Beyond Philosophy's unique and proven training methodology, Memory Maker Training. Contact Beyond Philosophy by going to beyondphilosophy.com contact. 
That's beyondphilosophy.com slash contact. The other thing for me that sort of ties this together and the reason why I, I think that this starts to become more, more of the future of where customer experience starts to lay is because, A, um, you know, when you, you know, the, the days of everybody sitting down and watching I Love Lucy um, no. are, 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 are all together uh, are gone. Uh, no. and. And now you're getting into individual targeted messages to individual groups. And I think one of the key enablers that, that's coming along here is is artificial intelligence that effectively would be able to take a formula or a algorithm that, you know, that starts to tie these things together. So you would be able to start to target messages uh, at individual groups. So the micro targeting, which you know, would be a pain in the neck to, to do it manually. But if you've got AI, AI helping you with various different inputs, then and that's going to, you know, in 10 years time, I think this is going to be a massive, uh, a massive area. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I agree with you. I think that we'll see. Um, I always tend to be a little bit more pessimistic about some of these things than, uh, uh, than some of the people who are, are most excited about it. Um, I think that there there's at least the potential. Well, there's two potential risks that I see um, yeah. in terms of, of implementing this from the from the manager side, from the firm side. Uh, you know, there there are other risks associated with AI, like for instance, them taking over the world and turning us into human slaves. But that won't be a risk I'll talk about. The risks for marketers uh, with AI. Sorry, Ryan, you you can't. Sorry, mate. Can you, you just cut out them when you said the risk for AI for marketers is, and then you 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 started to speak some type of Chinese language that nobody will be able to understand. Well, the computers you, don't want me to speak what the risks are. <laughs> it's okay, the deep I, states. That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, can you repeat that, mate? Sure. So the risks to marketers of artificial intelligence, I I think at least in the near term. Um, a lot of these uh, machine learning algorithms are, are built around correlations. They're built around things that co-occur. And yeah. so it, it could be that we're creating messaging based on, on kind of like surface level stuff. So I'm going to yeah. present an ad to you that has your name in it because I know your name. And it's going to have, you know, um, your favorite soccer club colors in the background because I know that you like that soccer club. Um, and these things that are easy to correlate that, oh, I see that Colin spends a lot of time uh, on these particular types of sites or liking these particular yeah. types of things, when they're not really related at all to the, the product or service that's being sold, they're just kind of these these dumb correlations. Um, yeah. So that's one risk is that we're just we're looking for things that are kind of statistically related, but that don't actually drive the decision. Uh, the other potential danger is, um, and I don't even know if this is as much a danger as just being ineffective. I think that there's a risk of over-targeting at some level. So if we could create an individual message for every single customer uh, in the world, there's a good chance that most customers will, within broad segments, will respond to the same message. And so now we're doing a lot of additional, we're creating a lot of additional noise and a lot of effort for no additional payoff sure. Um, sure. when it really comes down to just understanding what's motivating behavior um, yeah 
And that's unlikely to vary, in my opinion, at the level of the individual. Yeah, no, I, I agree with both of those. And a, an example I would give of your first point is uh, organizations have very little data on how customers feel. So very little emotional data. So it's all rational stuff. Yeah. Um, and, and for me, big data is great. But uh, I wrote a blog some time ago now uh, calling the fact that there's a big hole in big data. Um, and, you know, the big hole is that nobody understands how the customer's feeling. Uh, and therefore, you know, that goes back to some of the, the, the basic uh, motivations of, um, of of things. So last part of this topic that we wanted to, to, to just talk about is uh, personas. Um, so, you know, personas for me are just a clearly a, a good way of articulating uh, a set what a segment of customers looks like in a way that is easy to understand so rather than calling this segment hb17 you call right. it susan uh and you know susan is 42 years old and there is some demographics but there is you know there is also the behavioral and psychographics stuff that's that's in there as well so it's not just the demographics you know she's earns between x and y and etc cetera, etc cetera. um any you had any thought experience in the persona world uh yeah i, I think that um they're they can be great um and they can be great for the reasons that you just pointed out they're just a very efficient way of communicating information so um they you know people don't people don't resonate with spreadsheets right so if you give your employees a spreadsheet full of information about different segments that's going to be harder for them to remember and understand than if you create a character um that represents most of the traits of this segment um my my bit of warning would be um if you get too specific on them or if you tie them too much to demographic descriptions, then you could be training your employees to um, look for the wrong stuff um, by kind of yeah. looking for surface level characteristics. Uh, I think that you can get a lot of the benefits of personas with some really good segment names, um, segment titles. So uh, I hope these aren't apocryphal. I hope they're real. But I'd, I'd heard once that McDonald's had uh, a segment that they call fuel on the road. This is one of the segments that they serve. I think that's a great name for a segment. Already, I feel like I've got a pretty good idea of what that segment values, uh, what they want. They've got another segment that they serve that they call the volume-oriented male, which is my favorite name for a segment <laughs> ever. Um, and again, just based on those three words, you've got a pretty good idea of who this guy is and, and what he wants, what he values, and what McDonald's can do to serve him better. So uh, I think that personas can be great. Um, I know that uh, Nike um, identified some teenager in, I don't know, New York, Brooklyn or something as being the target, like being the representatives for some particular target segment. And so they, they actually reconstructed his bedroom in their headquarters in, um, in Oregon uh, so that their, their designers could go in and spend time in that, uh, and and that's that's a way of kind of making a persona extremely concrete, so they can yeah. see exactly what posters were on his wall and what kind of music he was listening to, and um, yeah. and I think that's really helpful, right? I mean, that really yeah. helps you get no, into totally. the head of your customer. 
Yeah, uh, on the other hand, I think you can get a lot of the benefits of, of that from just choosing your um, segment name and description uh, carefully so that you communicate what's important for your employees to know. Yeah, good. Okay, well, I'm conscious of uh, time, so uh, let's wrap wrap up this um, wrap up this session. Uh, you know, uh, just final word for me. For me, the the this segmentation, getting into the psychographics, behavioural um, uh, demographics, blah 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 blah. All of those together, I, I think, is the right answer. I don't think anyone is particularly um, anyone by themselves will actually give you the depth that you're gonna need and if you're not into any of this area now you need to start to get in here and i think it's probably going to be a process of evolution uh but you know let's absolutely agree that just calling them small medium and large accounts is not a good form of segmentation um so <laughs> good yeah okay I, my uh my takeaway advice is to don't forget why you're embarking on this process that yeah what you want at the end of this process is to have segments that you understand why they're buying or not buying. If you don't, then you've not done it right. Okay, so if anybody wants any further information on our debate on this, then just ping us at um, contact at Beyond Philosophy. Uh, that's contact at Beyond Philosophy, and we look forward to um, hearing, seeing from you, not seeing from you. What am I saying? Uh, we look forward to. Uh, are you listening uh, in uh, the next week? Thanks very much. Thanks. This has been The Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton. But it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast. And we'll talk with you next time on The Intuitive Customer. <laughs>